Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Pastor Bob conducts personal interviews with Christian influencers from around the globe, helping Christian authors, recording artists, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and yes, pastors and ministry leaders to get the word out about what they are doing to impact the world with the gospel. Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by ListenNotes.com, so you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We're so blessed that you are joining us as part two in our conclusion of a very interesting and and emotional and sensitive subject with our guest Daryl Rogers. Daryl Rogers lost his son Chase due to drug addiction and tragic as that is there are many many families that struggle with the same issues of drug addiction in their children or in their family and even with it themselves. Daryl has now made it his passion to help those that struggle find the help they need through his family recovery coach program. He's also authored a book to explain all of this that's about his son's chase life. Uh, a Life Half-Lived is the name of the book. If you missed any of the prior episode, I urge you to go back and listen to get caught up. The information Daryl shared in part one is so important on this very sensitive topic. But for now, let's rejoin the conversation in the conclusion of our interview with Daryl Rogers. What are what you call the three C's for parents of children with substance disorder? Well, um, you know, there's, there's, it, this is really something I believe that originated with Al-Anon. So I want to give credit where, where credit's due there. And that is you can't control it. You can't cure it. No, well, let me, I mean, I missed the first C. You didn't cause it. You can't control it and you can't cure it. Now, a lot of people get tripped up on the first one. Um, you didn't cause it. So what I tell parents is, yeah, you may have done some things to contribute to the problem, but none of us are perfect, and none of us are perfect as parents. And and um, uh, if you made some mistakes along the way, you have to forgive yourself for that. And and uh, beating yourself up over that. And, and, you know, looking back is not going to help you. And now I'm at a place now where I can look back and I can go, yeah, I messed up here. I messed up there. And I can, I can learn from that and grow from that. And I can help other people learn, other parents learn from that, from my own mistakes. But if I were to go back there and just dwell on that and just drag myself down, that's not healthy for me. It doesn't do anybody else any good. So, so, um, in a lot of these cases, though, I think I think people have to understand that that there is a genetic component sometimes, and and that there are issues that are outside of your control as a parent sometimes. Um, you know, uh, in some cases, there is trauma that occurred, and uh, that could be something that you had no idea even happened. Um, it could have happened away from the home. It could have happened at school. It could have happened in some other environment, and and you never knew about it. Uh, so you know, there are just so many different factors uh, that come that that contribute to addiction that we don't need to get hung up on that on that first C. You didn't cause it because you know what? 
it, most of the parents that I talk to are good parents. They're conscientious parents. They're doing the best that they can. And if they made a mistake or two here or there, that's not what we need to, we need to move past that. And um, the, the other thing, you can't control it. Um, that's where parents tend to, we get back into that, you know, um, mode of rescuing and enabling when we try to control that situation. And the harder we try to control it, the worse it, it tends to get. We get into kind of a downward spiral there. Um, so um, uh, learning to control the one person you can in that equation is the important thing. Uh, the more they work on their own spiritual growth and work on themselves, the better opportunity they're giving their child to recover. Um, because the more focus we get on trying to control the child in the situation, when I say child, it could be adult child, um, the, the, the more damage we tend to do long-term to the relationship. Um, and then cure it. You can't cure it. You know, uh, there really is no cure for addiction, uh, except for a relationship with Jesus Christ. Man. So, um, he can cure it. And, uh, but, but in terms of uh, man-made cures, there are no cures. There are steps that we can take to put people in a position to be able to, 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 you know, um, find the source right, right. and, and to get the help that they need. You know, we, when you're in the military, so you're going to understand this phrase, you know, before I, I wasn't born again until 1992, three years after mm -hmm. I got out of the military. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I lived the military lifestyle is what I call it. Right. And, mm -hmm. uh, the, when the situation, which we talked prior to the recording happened, I mean, I spiraled out of control, you know, the alcohol, that was my addiction. And uh, I was a functioning alcoholic, but you know, it was an alcoholic. And after I got born again, Six months later, and without going into the long story about it, but I had not had a sip of alcohol and didn't even realize it for six months. It wasn't until uh, we had a leak underneath the sink and I went down to, you know, clean everything out to tighten it up. I found a half pint bottle of whiskey that was still in there and, and it hit me. I remember when I bought this, I haven't had a drink six months and didn't even know it. But so, yes, Jesus did remove that desire from me. But gosh, probably 15 years later, we were at a restaurant and we were, you know, how sometimes you get there and you got to wait, right? Mm -hmm. So the girls, all, my wife and the two daughters, you know, they wanted to go shopping, you know, it was a little mall area. So they were going to go out and just window shop and stuff. So my son in law and I, there's nowhere to sit. So we walked up to the bar and, you know, just, you know, I ordered a Coke, but I'm just leaning there on the bar. You got the sound, you got the smell. I got a glass in my hand, even though it's nothing but Coke. And I took a sip. The, 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 that spirit came back on me, you know, mm -hmm. and I just put it down. I told myself, I got to go outside. I cannot be. And this, I mean, it was just so familiar. Arm on the bar, glass in my hand. Even, uh -huh, though, and, uh -huh. you know, even though it was just Coke, right? But all of a sudden, it was like 
oh no, I can't, I, I got to get out of here. I have to leave right now. And I would, mm-hmm. I, and that mm-hmm. totally shocked me because there was no desire for alcohol in my life, but it was just that familiarity. Yeah. You know? I mean, the, the, the atmosphere, the sounds, yeah. the position I was in holding the glass. And mm-hmm. it was like, Mm, that would taste good right now, you know? And yeah. I, I had to back out and that shocked me. Cause that, that told me I could slip back that fast. If I yeah. wanted you know, and, and my dad was an alcoholic and when he quit drinking, he told me, you know, he said, sometimes I have a desire to do it, but I know that one is not going to be enough and two will be too many. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I totally understand what that means. Mm-hmm. But uh, so yeah, the, I, the you know I, you know I've never um, had any of those issues myself, but in just in talking to other people who have struggled with alcoholism or drug drug addiction, um, uh, the environment is is important, <laughs> and uh, and the people they're around are important. So it's real easy. I, they, I think the, the, the people who've been in recovery for a long time, uh, they, they go to their AA meetings or whatever means they go to religiously because that kind of helps keep them grounded. And they know they can't have one drink. They can't have, you know, because they, they, they know they will never stop there. And, 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 uh, they also know that they have to stay away from that environment, stay away from yeah. the people that are, are doing are using, you know, man. I mean, that was a total shock to me mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and mentally, not spiritually, because, you know, I re- realized exactly what was going on, but, uh, but yeah, so I can understand. I mean, you know, my son-in-law at one point in time, he told me, uh, you know, because they, they'd have my daughter and him, they have some wine or something like that. And he said, man, I wish I would have known you when you were drinking. I bet we'd have a lot of fun. He goes, no, you would not have enjoyed my company when I was drinking. <laughs> that was not me, you know. But, uh, but yeah, and I do realize that, I mean, it could be real quick, a slide back in the opposite direction. And that's, you know, but thank God, wisdom. Amen. Mm. But, uh, but you assist other parents who are wondering what to do with their addicted child. How do you help them? Well, um, you know, part of it depends on where they are along this journey. Um, particularly if they're early on and their child has not been to treatment yet. Uh, well, let me back up one step from there because, um, sometimes parents reach out to me and their child is experimenting with drugs, but they don't, they're not really sure if they have an addiction yet or not. Or they're seeing signs that their child is is um, using drugs, but they're not 100% certain. So I can kind of walk them through that or give them the resources, you know, that they can look at so that they can determine for sure if there's a problem there. Uh, once, they, once they know their child has an addiction, this is where I really come in. Um, and, and if it's in the early stages and they haven't been to treatment yet, I help them through the decision-making process. Okay, what do I do now? Um, and a lot of that's going to depend on is the child under 18 still living at home or are they uh, over 18? You know, what is the um, 
what is that situation there? And then if, you know, we can decide, do they need, if they're living at home, do you need to give them an ultimatum? And, and if so, is that ultimatum either, you know, we'll pay for treatment and, um, you know, um, and this is the option. You either go to treatment or you're going to have to move out. And that's when you can talk about, you know, if you, if you want to have an intervention or not. And I, I recommend always a professional intervention if, if it needs if it needs to go in that direction. But that's part of the first step is that making those de- kinds of decisions and helping them get through this, through those decisions. And I think the hardest part for parents in that is um, they get hung up in the decision-making process because they're so scared that they'll make the wrong decision and their child will end up dying from an overdose or some other drug-related issue. And um, the the problem is if they don't make a decision, they wind up, you know, way down the road with their child, you know, an adult in their 30s or, you know, later still living at home and and not and, and still using drugs and it's just you know it's just de- deteriorated or you know they overdose at home and so at some point they've got to you know that's the part I've got to help them get through is making that decision overcoming the fear making the right decisions um any decision moving forward is better than and it should be a prayerful decision right that's where yeah. we should start out yeah but making decisions and then uh, working on communication skills, um, because that's really important. Um, and then, and then learning um, how to create um, healthy boundaries, so that um, they're not overstepping their bounds and not enabling their child, and so they're not allowing their child to overstep bounds and manipulate them to to get the drugs and things like that. So um, those are really the first three initial steps. Um, yeah. Amen. Uh, you, you talked about implementing something, and that reminded your your army. So you'll be familiar with this. George Patton once said, "A good plan implemented now is better than a perfect plan tried later." <laughs> yeah. So yeah. That's, just that's, do something. You know. Yeah, so, that's right. Yeah. Amen. Now you also list eight signs that it is time for parents to give their children an ultimatum. What are those eight signs and what's the ultimatum that they should issue? Mm. So the ultimatum is, um, you know, what I just stated earlier that, that, you know, it, you either, um, you know, we pay for treatment, we've got it set up and, um, you can, or we're ready to pay for treatment and, and either you go to treatment or you can move out if that is, if they're still living at home. Um, and, uh, that's, that's basically the ultimatum. So the signs, um, I don't have the list right in front of me right now, but, uh, you know, you can, if, if, um, you know, you, you want to look at codependency, you know, um, if um, if you're making decisions for them that they should be making for themselves, you know, are they gainfully employed? Now, I will say that some some people who are addicts are high functioning addicts, and so some of them can manage to hold a job for a very 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 long time, and then eventually the wheels come off. Usually, you know, but um, you know if they're having trouble holding down a job, you know if you're noticing. Um, 
slurred speech, obviously, and you're noticing, you know, dilated pupils and um, you watch who they're hanging out with, you know, um, you know, if, if they're, if they're not really spending time with the friends that they used to, that are, you know, the people that are, you know, are, are, um, moving in the right direction. Um, and you, you, you see that they've, they're, they're, they've made new friends and that maybe don't, don't have, you know, uh, not really motivated and not really, uh, trying to achieve anything. Those are real obvious signs that, that something's not right. Now they can, um, they can be, they're very smart. I will find, I've found out that most people who, um, are struggling with addiction, most of them are really, really smart people and they, they're, they can be very manipulative. They can be very, uh, tricky, um, in terms of being able to hide their addiction. So, um, you know, you may not appearance if, if we're talking about a teenager, they may not right off the bat, you know, they may not recognize that there's a problem there because they may do a good job covering up any odors or any, uh, any, uh, impairment. So, um, uh, you know, if, if it's a teenager, if it really comes down to it, you can, you can do a drug test, but I mean, sometimes they can outsmart that as well. So, um, it, it takes some digging in and, and some work to, uh, sometimes to, to get to the truth. Well, as, as parents, because we're all worried about our adult children, adult children now I'm talking about, especially when we see them making mistakes. I mean, clearly bad choices. Mm. Other than sounding like we're meddling, should we be doing something different to let them know that we don't approve of what they're doing? I mean, won't that drive them away? Um, I kind of missed the first part of your question, but I think okay. that the, for adult children. Restated. And mm-hmm. for adult you children, have, you yeah. have adult children that you yeah. see starting to drift mm-hmm. down that path. With, you know, they're old enough to make their own decisions. Yeah. But should the parents, you know, start doing something, letting them know they don't approve of what they're doing, and we want that drive yeah. the adult yeah. children away? Yeah, that could that could create a problem. I think um, you look for a window of opportunity there, and and instead of frame it in a way that, you know, is disapproval. It's more of um concern, you know, let them know that you love them and, and that you, you know, some things that are concerned that a little bit concerning to you. Um, and, you know, ask, um, you know, questions, are you okay? Is everything okay? You know, uh, what's going on with you? Is there anything I can help you with? You know, things like that. And try to start a dialogue that will will uh, through the right kind of questions like that that will get them to hopefully open up to you. Um, if if you know for certain that they're that they're using or that they have an addiction, um, you know, I would say again, reach out and love, love first, and say, look, you know, if you need some help, I'm I'm here and I'm ready to help you. But but the help is. It's not going to be me handing you money or, you know, doing things that will help you get more drugs. That's that's not the kind of help we're talking about. You know, I'll help you get treatment uh, yeah. w- when you're ready for it. But then you just kind of have to back off and let them and let them 
go because um, the more you push, uh, the more resistance you'll get there for sure. Yeah, amen. You share us what the big secret is to recovery from addiction. Yeah, the big secret is really the family. <laughs> uh, because when the family uh, learns their proper role in recovery, um, which is to love and support and uh, to make sure that you're not enabling to work on the communication skills so that you're communicating in the right way um, and to set those healthy boundaries. When when the family starts to study and learn more about addiction and, and try to um, – Try to to look into what look into the mirror and and figure out what they can do better, um, and learn that they're the best thing they can do. Usually, is to control that one person that they can. That's themselves. Amen. You know, when I say the family, it's the mother or the dad. You know, it depends on what the family. You know, I'm not just talking about the nuclear family. We hope that that's the perfect case scenario, but there, I know there are a lot of single moms out there probably listening and then they're working hard and they're good people and they're trying to do the best they can. And they got this issue and, um, and, and mothers tend to be the people that reach out to me the most for help. Um, no matter whether they're married or single moms or whatever, they tend to be the ones that reach out. And it's because I think mothers, you know, they they really love their children and they really care about their children deeply. And there, there's a different type of an attachment there. And um, I really feel for them. And and uh, it's, it's hard for them to learn not to rescue and not to enable because they love yeah. their child so much. Yeah, amen. Uh, you're a family recovery coach. Why should parents seek out services of a family recovery coach such as yourself? Well, um, I think the biggest thing is um, they need someone, like in my case, I've walked in your shoes. Now, there are um, plenty of good uh, uh, substance abuse counselors, therapists, you know, and, and, and in a lot of cases, I would recommend a therapist. So I'm not a replacement for a therapist uh, at all, but but. I have walked in your shoes and I can can help families navigate the the environment the the treatment options you know like uh, trying to come up with the best treatment options or you know what's the what is the best path towards helping us get them into treatment uh that sort of thing but really it a lot of it is accountability uh, first of all, seeing the areas where they're enabling and then holding them accountable towards that personal and spiritual growth and 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 staying in that proper role um, as the family or as the parent uh, and, and not allowing themselves to get drawn into back into those rescuing and enabling behaviors uh, to give their child at best that best opportunity at recovery. Daryl, this has been truly informative. And I, I know there's someone somewhere out there right now that has listened to this and said, you know, that's me. Whether for better or worse, they have identified themselves from what you've been sharing. 
if someone has a question and would like to reach out to you for more information, how can they do that? How can they get in touch with you? I mean, on your website, you offer a free list of resources to anyone who has a child that wants to reach out and, and you can help them. But how, how can they get in touch with you? They can reach out to me at uh, my email. Just send me an email, drogers61 at hotmail.com. And Rogers has a D in it. So it's D-R-O-D-G-E-R-S 61 at hotmail.com. Um, they can, I'm all over the uh, internet. I mean, on social media and, and, um, and then I have the website, which is the family recovery coach.com. They can, can reach out to me there, um, through the website. Um, but, uh, those are the primary ways. Okay. All right. And your book, a life half lived, how can someone obtain a copy of that? Is it on Amazon? It is on Amazon. So they can, uh, they can get a, uh, free Kindle version if they want to download the Kindle version, or they can uh, get a they can order a paperback version. Um, and then they can also I have another website that is it is DarylRogers.com d a r r y l r o d g e r s dot com. There is a on that website there is a course for parents that they can take us a video course. It's about three hours of video there. There's some quizzes. There's uh, some a lot of PDF downloads uh, with information for parents. And uh, on that website is also the, uh, they can download the digital version of that book. So. Um, All right. And you have that free resource list. It's available on your website. What, which website is that on? Mm, I believe that's on thefamilyrecoverycoach.com. Okay. okay. All right. And I'll put links to all this down in the show notes below. Okay. Folks, addiction, that's the real pandemic in this nation right now. Whether you or us as a nation want to admit it, it's worse now than it's ever been. Even for folks like me and Daryl, I mean, we never faced things back in the 70s like we see today. Our children need us to help them. They may not like it. We may be uncomfortable. But we still need to be there for them. And as Daryl's been sharing, there is a right way and a wrong way to help. Make sure you know the right way to avoid driving them farther away or worse when they need you the most. Drop down the show notes. Click the links right there to get in touch with Daryl Rogers. Order his book while you're there. I mean, this book will give you a glimpse into what can happen and what the possibilities are for you to avoid that kind of outcome. Order your book today. Click the links. Get in touch with Daryl. Get these resources. And, and share them. You probably, even if you're not going through it, I can almost guarantee you know somebody who is. And you can share these resources with them. Daryl, I want to thank you for taking the time to come on the program today and share about this sensitive topic. I do appreciate it so much. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And then, folks, that is all the time we have for today. For Daryl Rogers and myself, it's passed by reminding you to be blessed in all that you do. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world. Please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do.
Are you a Christian entrepreneur, coach, or author with a message that needs to be heard? Picture this, your voice reaching thousands, your story inspiring hearts, and your business flourishing like never before. Introducing Faithcasters, the ultimate platform that connects faith-driven professionals like you with the power of podcasting. Become a sought-after guest on Faith-Based Podcast. Share your unique insights and connect with like-minded individuals who share your passion for faith and entrepreneurship as well. Imagine your expertise reaching a wider audience, expanding your network, and propelling your business to new heights. Well, it's all within reach with Faithcasters. So don't wait. Take the first step today on your journey to greatness by visiting our website at faithcaster.org. That's faithcaster.org. Join the Faithcasters community now and unleash the full potential of your faith-driven enterprise. You do not want to miss this opportunity. Faithcasters, where faith meets podcasting and your dreams become reality. Visit faithcaster.org. Let's soar together. And remember, anyone can be a podcaster, but only a Christian can become a faithcaster. Faithcasters, your voice, your platform, your success.